Welcome to this special episode of Insights. I'm Daniel Williams. MGMA is committed to providing expert resources, solutions, and support to medical professionals as they deal with COVID-19. This crisis has made a challenging role even harder for CEOs and other healthcare executives, but many are rising to the occasion in implementing the necessary steps to maintain operations and more importantly, patient safety. Our guest today, Oregon MGMA President Christy Sedlecki is one such executive navigating her practice through these unprecedented times. Christy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Sure. Um, you're currently CEO at Grants Pass Clinic in Oregon. Give our listeners an idea of the size and scope of your practice, number of patients, all that sort of thing. Okay. So we're a multi-specialty clinic with mostly primary care. We have pediatrics, family practice, internal medicine, podiatry, a small outpatient surgical practice, very small from a mostly retired provider, and we have acute care. So we have a total of 18.5 FTE providers and about um, 18 to 20,000 active patients. Okay. We're going to be talking about COVID-19 and how you're dealing with it at your practice. So talk about your day-to-day. How has this outbreak impacted you? Well, it's, um, it's made me very focused on everything having to do with COVID-19, of course. Um, my days have gotten very long and very busy. Um, you know, there's a lot of information to sort through and a lot of people to share information with. So um, it's definitely impacted my day-to-day a lot. Yeah. What's the communication been like with your team? What have you been uh, sharing with them? And then people who are actually meeting with patients, I mean, what are they telling you? What's that communication look like? Well, I mean, communication is, is um, is being a little bit of a bugaboo right now because there's so much information. So at this time that communication is the most important, there have been some, some difficulties actually getting the communication out to people. So that's a challenge, but one we think we're perfecting. Um, you know, we, what we're doing is uh, trying to get the most recent information out to people about um, what kinds of patients we should see in the clinic, what kinds of patients they should be concerned about. We have ever-changing workflows related to patient screening and information that we need to share with patients, and also how people can or cannot get tested. So there's a lot of information and it's, you know, there's still a long ways to go. Uh, This is multifaceted. So we're in the midst of organizing a lot of things like how to deal with staff who have reduced hours or may get laid off or furloughed, um, how to get people to work from home. So there's a lot of behind the scenes details. And of course there's telemedicine. So There's a lot of communication going out, trying to get the right communication to the right people, but there's also admittedly a sense that people feel like there's not enough communication and, or that it's confusing communication. And that's just 
that's just part of the process because of the constantly changing information. Right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of details still up in the air too. Mm -hmm. There's you know, we're waiting on information from the state and federal governments about um uh, you know, how to handle the furloughed or laid off employees. So there's some things that we can't even tell people yet because we're waiting to get more information. Right. What is the primary mode of communication right now? Are you uh, having group calls? Is it email? How are you getting this information in the hands of your staff at this point? So we have moved to, um, to, Zoom meetings. Um, we're working really hard to not gather people within the clinic into um, rooms. Um, we're also sharing by email and we are creating um, handouts and flyers that we're passing around the clinic as well to make sure that people who aren't good about checking email or aren't included on Zooms, um, that they're getting the information that they need. Um, right. You know, really, it's just a time where more communication modes is what what we need to do. So really just putting it out there in many different forms. We also have um, uh, intranet. So we we put things out on our our clinic intranet as well. Just everything we can think of to get information out to our staff and providers. You had mentioned work from home earlier. What has been your policy for the people who are not meeting with patients? So how have you structured that and decided who needs to be at the practice and who can be as effective uh, working out of their home or somewhere remotely? So of course, this is still in a state of flux as well, but um, we moved as many people as we could out right away. The easiest people to move out were business office staff, um, you know, people in billing and credits um, and in our accounting departments. So um, those people moved out first. Um, what I asked the uh, supervisors and managers and my HR director to work on um, early this week is really thinking about our um, how we can restructure the way things are done. So uh, for instance, medical assistants who have a lot of direct patient contact, but also are on the phone a lot. How can we divide up duties to have fewer people in the clinic? We also reduced some hours. For instance, our lab is not needing to do nearly the number of routine lab um, appointments. So reducing those hours. And we're considering ways to reduce clinic hours um, just um, as a way to keep keep people home to any degree that they can, even if it's just part of the time. For those people who are working at home, were they already set up? Were some of them already sometimes working at home, or did you have to develop some IT uh, protocols or anything like that so they'd be set up and could be effective uh, working remotely? Yeah, most of them weren't already set up to work from home. Um, we didn't have very many people, really just just some senior managers and our providers were set up to work from home. So we did create um, quickly adapted policies that we already had but needed to be adapted to, um, in, to fit more staff members. 
and we had IT involved in getting them set up. Um, this morning still, I was working on perfecting how to get phone calls to the right people at the right time, um, and really uh, fine-tuning the people who aren't experienced from working from home, uh, you know, with working from home. Um, they are having some confusion. So it, this is still in a state of flux, but we're working through the problems and we have um, policies and we have ways to work through it. It, it. What has been your message then to people as they are getting set up? We're, we're doing the same thing at MGMA. We're, we're all working remotely at this point. And Many of us were already set up. Some of us are going through some training. Some of us are had to get some additional equipment uh, before we got set up. But then there's also the messaging of trying to find a balance because when you're working out of your home full time, you just sort of you know wander into whatever that room is that you've got set up, and you could basically not have a life at that point. And I know that we're a lot of people are quarantining, they're isolating at this point. But what's been your message so that people can still try to respect some sort of work-life balance where they can do all their work, get everything done, but then have some time with family or just to even just step away and recharge the batteries a little bit? Have you had messaging in that regard? Um, I actually have some messaging. Um, it still needs to get out to more people, which is one of the things I was working on with some managers and supervisors this morning. What I want people who are working from home to do is to create a certain workspace and certain work hours and um, to um, have some structure about their day similar to what they have in the clinic. I'm asking managers and supervisors to check in with staff regularly. There, there, there are a lot of people who are just not accustomed to working from home, and I want to be available and ready to um, tend to any difficulties they encounter um, as soon as we can. Have you had any feedback then? Of I, I know technology is is potentially one of the struggles. Um, have you gotten any feedback then on other things that may be impacting them or that they need to do differently or need, need counsel on, on how to do better? Um, not so far because it's still so new. Some of the things that I heard about this morning was just not knowing where phone calls were going. I mean, some of the things that we are, are encountering early on are very basic and it just has to do with, with communication and, and making sure that everybody's got the message about the processes. So, you know, the, rolling out people working from home happened very quickly. So, um, so we're still we're still dealing with some details. Some people don't know how to use Zoom meetings. So, you know, we've been giving, uh, sending out, and providing tutorials on that. Um, we got everybody set up to uh, do remote desktop into their work computers, but it's new to a lot of people. So just really making sure that people know how to use the tools that we've given them is, is actually one of our very first steps. And um, 
it sounds like we're almost through that as of this morning. Last question on that side of it. it from a proprietary standpoint, are, are there any of the employees who are at home right now who are dealing with proprietary information and they needed to be set up and have a firewall or anything there to protect that information? Yes. Um, you know, we're really concerned about proprietary information and, you know, just uh, privacy and security. So, um, you know, we're having employees do a remote desktop into their work computer as opposed to um, just using their own home system. So that offers some protection. But we also realize that people's families are going to be around and they could get exposed to information. So we're do you know, we're asking people to do their best to maintain privacy and security as much as they can. We're um, really um, working to make sure people aren't taking papers home, you know, because papers get lost and dropped along the way and that sort of thing. So there are there are concerns and we're doing our best to mitigate them. Sure. In one of the emails that you shared with me, you talked about your practice setting up an actual COVID-19 task force. What does that look like? What has been the focus of that group so far? So we set up the task force with some providers and some staff who are impacted, mostly managers. And um, so we have like our lab manager who is also our HIPAA officer and our HR director and our IT manager and our patient care manager who oversees, you know, the medical assistants and nurses in the clinic. Um, so the group has been focused on sorting through the guidelines coming down from the CDC and the Oregon Health Authority. Um, also creating workflows and changing workflows. You know, what are the recommendations for how we screen people and how we see people who are not low risk? Creating processes for decreasing um, exposure and conserving PPE. Um, gosh, you, you name it, they're, they're dealing with it. Um, and uh, we're also involved within the community. So who's going to attend which community meetings and um, work with other organizations within our community. So mm -hmm. there's quite a few things that they're working on. Yeah. In addition to your work at your practice, you're also president of the Oregon MGMA. I'm just curious there, have you been in communication with those members and what have those conversations been like? Well, I've been in communication with some members, but not all. There has been some communication that's been blasted out to members about how to access some resources, but um, Probably, you know, there really hasn't been any direct communication to all members from me. Um, our executive director um, works with an association that handles several state affiliations, and they're creating some webinars and a website to help um, help people access more information. Honestly, a lot of the uh, conversation 
I've had with people with Oregon MGMA is have you looked at the MGMA online community? There's just a ton of information and resources being shared out there. You know, Oregon um, is not one of the states that's right at the front of this, like say Washington or New York or California. Um, so um, what I'm seeing is that within the MGMA online community, we can learn from the people before us and we can learn from each other. And so I'm really encouraging people to keep an eye on that. And in the meantime, um, there are a group of states that are organizing all the information amongst us to make available to all the members. Yeah. Now, we already talked about staffing. We talked about uh, working from home. One of the other main issues that we're hearing from practices deals with personal protective equipment and the shortages there. So what's mm -hmm. your current uh, status as far as equipment? Well, so there's a lot of equipment on allocation, um, but my clinic um, put in some efforts to conserve equipment a few weeks ago, so we're not in extremely bad shape. Um, you know, we're, uh, we have a limited supply of N95 masks, just like anybody else, face mm -hmm. shields, um, that sort of thing. But we've done a pretty good job of conserving that we're not in a critical space right now. And that's, that's actually one of the communications that I've been trying to get out to other practices is put out efforts to conserve now because you, it, 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 when, you when you really need it and you don't have it, it's too late. Um, but there are some things that we've discovered um, we didn't plan for. Uh, being tight on things like um, thermometer plastic covers um, you know we uh, that was something we had to add in is being a little bit more careful about whose temperature we're taking making sure we really need to take the temperature um, you know what other measures can we have to take temperatures we only have one infrared thermometer and so that limits you know, if you have to save the plastic thermometer covers, then you need to be careful about whose temperature you're taking if you don't need to take it. Um, but we've also, the other area that we didn't think of that we would have shortages are like in our lab, they're having a reduced ability to order um, test tubes. I didn't really anticipate that one. And of course, the one area that everybody's talking about, of course, besides face shields and N95 masks, is the COVID tests. And, you know, while the word is out to people that testing is available widespread, if you don't have the test kits, you need the viral transport media. And we can't get the viral transport media. So, you know, people want to know if testing is available, why aren't you testing me? And it's hard to explain that we don't have access to the viral transport media needed to send the test to the lab that does the test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something you have mentioned a couple of times now is right now. I think that's an important phrase to focus on because we've watched COVID-19 spread across the globe and make it to America. And now, we, as you mentioned earlier, 
There are the spots that are really battling it right now, New York, Washington State, California among them. But in knowing how this transmits and how it moves, you know that it's it's moving and Oregon will will deal with it in more detail later. So how are you preparing for that then? Are there are there things you're doing? One of the things you mentioned already was conserving equipment where needed. One thing I was interested in was what about elective procedures or things like that? Or com- are you communicating with patients if uh, to maybe stay at home or to let's put some things off right now? What What are you doing to make sure that is planned for as well? Yes, we are communicating with patients about elective procedures. We're also making sure we don't bring in people who are at risk for contracting it for routine appointments. Um, you know, early on, we started canceling people who are 80 and older for their annual wellness visits, for instance. Um, so we are communicating with patients um, through the phone, through our patient portal, you know, in any number of ways to um, reduce appointments. We're also asking all of our providers to look at their schedule on a regular basis every day, look ahead at least a couple days if they can to reschedule uh, things that don't need to be taken care of today to, to reduce the number of people in our building. Mm-hmm. Now, the CMS made policy changes last week regarding telehealth. I want to know, have you had a, cha- had a chance yet to implement and begin to uh, make that work for you? Or what are your thoughts on how that will transform your practice? Well, we're in the process of that right now. So interestingly, we were scheduled to go live with telehealth on April 8th. And so we're just a little bit behind. So in the meantime, just this past weekend, um, I was working with a couple of providers to um, start a different platform so we can start using telehealth right away. And um, so we're getting, we're, we, we should be able to move forward with that very soon. It, but, yeah, do you um, have, there's a lot to sort through uh, regarding billing and, and, and that, but we're working on um, written documentation to share with providers and how to access this. You know, we, we're not going to, we're going to use something else besides what we were in the works to um, move forward with, with our regular EMR. Mm-hmm. A yeah. temporary platform. Sure. What else in regards to that? Are there things that from a technology standpoint that you're still needing to set up or education you need to get out to patients? Where are you in that regard? Um, So, so far we only tested the new platform that we're going to use. Um, Today our task force is meeting again and we're going to select more providers to get set up on that platform so that they can start using it right away. One of the things we did to conserve PPE was have a small number of our providers see patients that were concerned may have COVID. So, um, you know, because the fewer people who are coming in contact with riskier patients, the less PPE you're going to use. So the providers who are 
seeing those patients are on our task force. So today we'll be meeting with those providers to get them set up on this other platform and roll it out. And it's a, it's a simple platform. They should be able to get set up easily and start using it right away. After that, we should be able to roll it out to the rest of the providers. We just want to test it on a smaller scale for at least a couple of days. Yeah. We're really looking at shining a light on the people who are on the front line and are, are, are putting themselves at risk uh, as they work with patients and, and other staffers. Do, do you have any stories that have occurred in your practice uh, that you can share with our audience? that have just really impressed you or made you even more proud about the work that people in your industry do? You know, I, there's never a time that I'm not proud of the industry I'm in or the clinic I work with. And, you know, when I think about the commitment of my providers and my staff, you know, I think about, the, that, that they want to show up at work and they want to do the right thing um, and that we want to be thoughtful on reducing risk, but always really appreciating how important it is for us to be there to take care of our patients. Um, you know, specifically when I think about my physician owners, um, you know, they understand that seeing fewer patients in the clinic means reduced revenue, but that's not their focus. Their focus is on keeping staff safe and keeping patients as well as we can. So, you know, um, at least as the, as the CEO, it, it, you know, it's up to me to sort out the rest of the details and background, but I am really impressed that the focus is on caring for each other. Mm -hmm. What has been the, from, from your perspective as the CEO there, what's been your biggest challenge? What have you struggled with and, and had to deal with and overcome and just, my gosh, it's only been really 10 days, two weeks since this has really been hitting us here. And uh, as you've been dealing with it, um, what have you, what have you learned there? Well, within the clinic itself, it's uh, speaking with one voice. You know, there's a lot of opinions going on about how to deal with COVID-19. And I think that as time is going on, it's getting to be a more clear effort. But one of the things I've seen is different people just wanting to handle it different ways. And we have to be careful about having a united voice, it, it makes people feel safer. Um, I attended a webinar a couple weeks ago with some employment attorneys who said that employees trust the information they get from their employers more than they trust information they get from the government or media. And it really put a spotlight on how much I had to get it right how much mm -hmm. I had to make sure that the communication going out was unified and organized. Um, from, from the rest of the, you know, the challenges that we face, you know, um, as the CEO, I am concerned about the long-term effects to the business. Um, medica medical 
offices were struggling as it is with fewer providers and lower income, especially related to primary care. So, you know, that's something that's on my mind. Um, But, um, you know, for the time being, it has to take a bit of a back seat just to make sure that we're taking care of our communities and our providers and our staff. So, um, you know, while it's something that's in in my mind and I'm uh, filing a way to mitigate in areas that I can now, some of it has to wait while I just take care of the business of caring for people. Mm-hmm. Final thought then from you on how to deal with crisis on this day-to-day basis. I know things are changing day-to-day, but how are you dealing with it? And what can you share with our listeners then that maybe would help them get through it? Just take it one little bite at a time. You know, you uh, uh, try not to get overwhelmed by the information. Um, Get the right people on your team. Delegate what you can to others instead of taking it all on yourself. Have um, different team members focus on different aspects that need attention and report back to you. And then just try and distribute the information in an organized way. Also, you know, go for a walk outside if you don't live in a crowded area. I'm lucky that I live in a beautiful, somewhat rural area, so I can go outside and still maintain social distance. That's been incredibly helpful. Absolutely. Well, Christy, thanks so much for sharing these thoughts with us. And I know these can be helpful uh, for our listeners here. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking time to help get information out to everybody. That's going to do it for this special episode of the Insights Podcast. Thanks to our guest, Christy Sedlecki. Keep an eye out for more in this series as we talk with healthcare professionals to help guide you and your practice through these difficult times. To keep up with the latest, be sure to visit mgma.com slash COVID. You can also connect with fellow members and healthcare peers at community.mgma.com. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.